It's just before midnight on December 31st, 2017, when police and the Mammoth County Sheriff's Department are alerted of multiple shots fired at 635 Wall Street in Lake Branch, New Jersey. Deputies and officers arrived on the scene within one minute of that frantic call for help. They could not have prepared themselves for what they were about to see and what their night had in store for them. Inside of the Kaliji family home, four of the seven people who were there all night ready to count down into the new year were found dead throughout the house. Among the individuals that had been ambushed were Steve Sr. and Linda Kaliji. They were a married couple in their 40s, their daughter Brittany, and a 70-year-old family friend. They had all been killed from an extremely high-powered rifle. Officers would arrest 16-year-old Scott Kaliji inside the home without incident, and they were also able to retrieve the high-powered assault rifle that was used in the murders, which happened to be registered to one of Scott's brothers who also lived in the home. Scott was taken into custody immediately and questioned. One of his brothers was in the interrogation room with him at this time and had a really hard time hearing what Scott had to say and holding himself together. I'm not sure why Scott's brother was allowed to be in that interrogation room. My guess is because Scott was on the autism spectrum and I assume that's why he was able to have his brother present seeing as how he's being interrogated by the police and he had just murdered both of his parents. So I'm thinking that his brother was, you know, the next of kin and he was able to sit in there with him. But that's just my guess. So as investigators are talking to Scott and asking him to walk them through his night, Scott calmly went through the events of the evening and what led up to this tragic massacre. And the crazy thing is, nothing really led up to this. I mean, there is kind of a backstory, but as far as Scott just coming across this gun on this night, that was when he had this idea that came to his mind that tonight was the night, which is so scary. His first plan was to take a walk around the block and to basically shoot anyone that he came across. But while he was on his walk, he decided that that wasn't going to be what he did. He was going to go back and his family was going to be his target. Scott recounts going into his bedroom with the gun after his walk, putting on a black leather jacket, some sunglasses, and some earplugs, and waiting for his mom to come in his room looking for him. And when she didn't, he lured his mom into his dark room, calling her as if he was going to ask her a question, just very nonchalant. And like she would have done for anyone under her roof, she walked over to Scott's room right away to see what she could help him with. And there she was ambushed to death by five to seven bullets to her torso and her chest. Scott's dad, Steve, ran up to see what was going on and he too was ambushed with shots to the back and the torso while trying to protect his wife and his family who's sitting all downstairs. Scott said then he walked downstairs and he shot his 18-year-old sister dead at the kitchen table with three shots. Then he shot his grandfather's companion, Mary Schultz, who was just like a grandmother to him, shooting her four times. All the while, he describes feeling absolutely nothing and saying that he moved about the house as if it was like an out-of-body experience. Experience. Like he was watching himself from further back commit these acts. And he said as he made his rounds, 
some of his family members were still moving and he didn't want them to feel any pain. So additional shots were fired into them. In fact, he said that he intended to kill everybody that was in the house. But after seeing the look on his grandfather's face when he killed Mary, he became very confused and it made him stop. It was like the look on his grandfather's face like brought him to where the out-of-body experience just suddenly stopped. Of the 14 shots that went off that night inside the home, 12 of them hit Scott's family members. Thankfully, Scott's grandfather, Adrian, and another unidentified person were able to escape the shots that night. And Adrian recounts knowing that there was something not right in his grandson's head. He says that it was messed up and he attributes it to a tumor and some nerve damage that Scott suffered at birth, which is so sad. Scott was high functioning, but he did require assistance with certain things, like getting dressed in the morning was a challenge. He struggled to learn how to read, and because of this, his mom opted to remove him from public school with his siblings in about fourth or fifth grade. She felt that she could administer the care that Scott needed on her own. And she may have been right because Scott thrived, and maybe him not being in a situation in a public school where he's being teased and bullied because, you know, he's maybe a little bit behind all of the the other kids was helping him also she knew what was best for her son and she catered to Scott she made him her number one priority down to cooking him separate meals from the rest of the family Scott enjoyed tagging along with his dad at baseball practice when his dad was coaching and everyone that would see him out and about always said that Scott had the biggest smile on his face and that they only knew him as the nicest kid in the world but sometimes things aren't always what they seem, right? Adrian, Scott's grandfather, recounts Scott becoming obsessed with the idea of him killing his family. Scott became vocal sharing these thoughts, and some of the thoughts that he shared with family, they will not even repeat. These things were brought to the attention of Steve and Linda, and Scott became furious. So somewhere along the lines of my research, I came across, I think it was like a forum or a blog that was saying that Linda and Steve didn't want to believe that Scott was capable of anything like this and that Linda did everything to protect Scott. She didn't want him like on heavy doses of medication. She didn't want anybody to know what he was feeling and the thoughts that he was dealing with. And again, she thought that like as his mother, she could be the one to help him, you know, through whatever his thoughts were and she would be there to protect Scott as well as everybody else to make sure that nothing like this would ever happen. So after the murders, friends, family, and a ton of the community joined together in temperatures that were below freezing to honor and remember the slain family. And a group of Britney's friends remember a photo that she had sent to a group chat of her laying with her cat Jill on New Year's Eve about 1140, just minutes before the shots rang out. The Kaliji family as a whole was remembered as amazing, happy, giving, loving. They always opened their home to others for barbecues and get-togethers. They were always taking trips to the beach. They loved playing board games together, watching movies, and playing basketball in their backyard. Scott was being held at a juvenile detention center in Middlesex County on four counts of murder and weapons charges. He would go on to be charged as an adult, even though he was underage at the time of the murders. 
His defense attorney argued that Scott was legally insane that New Year's Eve night and was experiencing a severe psychotic episode due to a lifetime of untreated mental illness. The prosecution shut that down real quick using Scott's own admissions as evidence of him knowing exactly what he was doing as he made his way through the house, killing everyone in sight. One of Scott's brothers was brought to the stand on behalf of the defense, testifying that at the time of the murders, his brother still believed in Santa Claus, that he had the mentality of a child. He couldn't even get dressed on his own in the morning, and he still slept with his parents. But after only four hours of deliberation, a jury convicted Scott on all four counts of murder and two counts of second-degree weapons charges. Motions for a new trial were denied, as well as motions to reverse the verdict due to the overwhelming evidence and the immeasurable harm caused by Scott. The prosecutor's office said that these were acts of evil carried out by someone who knew exactly what they were doing. And the court agreed. And because of that, Scott was sentenced to 150 years in prison. They said that this sentence needed to match the severity of the crimes he committed. An expert called by the prosecution said that Scott was autistic, not schizophrenic, and he knew what he was doing when he killed his family members. And to just address those two who were able to escape Scott that night, those survivors, they lived, but their mental scars and what they seen and what they have lived through and continue to live through day in and day out are nothing that any of us could ever imagine. Thank you guys for joining me today. I want to wish you the happiest new year full of health and love and light. I will see you back here next Friday with a brand new episode. Bye guys.